Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. In this episode, we learn the story of a young man that lost not only his lifelong best friend, but the love of his life as well. We will learn how to live every day to the fullest because it can be gone in an instant. We're going to meet an author and a podcast host who inspires those seeking guidance to make sure that everyone knows you have the ability to choose your attitude when it comes to loss, grief, and moving on. His book, Loving Someone Who's Dying, tells the journey he went on with the love of his life and how his late wife, Brianna, who fought a lifelong battle with cystic fibrosis, taught him to live life to the fullest, no matter what. My guest today is Nick Strand. He's a podcast host of Choose Your Attitude podcast and author, and like many of us, has lost someone he loves to a devastating disease. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you. I appreciate being here. It's an honor. So I know a little bit about you, but can you help us all know a little more about you? Yeah. I, like everybody else, I'm a human in the middle of the world uh, living in this continuously moving object. But as as most of us, um, you know, I've been through my own journey. My journey uh, starts out in 2012. I lose my wife, uh, my mom to uh, cancer. And then um, after about a 10-year relationship with my wife, I lost her to cystic fibrosis. That battle uh, in the whole entire uh, uh, lifespan, if you will, um, as a young person, um, now 35. Um, so as you can imagine, um, I believe it was uh, 27 when I lost my mom, 32 when I uh, lost my wife. It was tough. And, you know, moms and uh, a wife uh, are kind of that nurturing side of love. And uh, it was a lot that was removed quickly. You know, the families around it, the devastation from somebody so impactful in your life, and then to have the family devastated from that. It was about a two-year battle after I lost my wife. And as you could imagine, uh, as of today, I'm, I'm still trying to find myself as a son to, for my, uh, as, as far as my losing my mom goes. But in addition to me again as you know, the widow um, of, of my wife, I knew I wanted to write a book. But through the devastation, the focus was not able to be made. Um, you know, we always wait for that perfect opportunity. But as life keeps being removed, it's a great reminder that there really is no perfect opportunity besides now. And that was reminded to me uh, last year, August, um, I woke up, the left side of my face was paralyzed. I thought it was a stroke, but it comes out to be Bell palsy. Who would have known? Uh, doctor described that as something uh, normal even though it was completely out of uh, the world. And, you know, I, I went to the first thing, which was Dr. Google, and Dr. Google did not help whatsoever. He told you all the wrong things to tell a person that is uh, freaking out of a paralyzed face. But it was a wake-up call for me. It was, a, uh, it was a reminder how fragile life is, that you really don't even have to have a purpose for losing objects of your body, um, from your face to your heart, your lungs, your mind. There are so many things that we take for granted, um, such a fragile, complex, you know, uh, uh, body. So that was my reminder that, okay, uh, it's now or never, you know, if not now, then when? And so I actually had five weeks off of work and I spent every single day writing, uh, loving someone is dying. And, uh, August 20th, I started and October 5th, I handed the book over to the editor and uh, since then, have been working. The book ori uh, originated from my story, uh, or from Brianna's story of her her battle with cystic fibrosis, but how she turned it into more of living rather than dying. Um, and that's kind of exactly what turned up for me and how I actually took her. We had many pillow talks, we called it, where we would sit down and we would talk about death and we would talk about what's coming up. And she was ingenious enough to come up with a legacy. And that quote was, choose your attitude, create your life. And so that kind of was one of those things that instilled in me. About uh, two months after she passed, I got a tattoo on my forearm with her handwritten, choose your attitude, create your life with uh, her actual name uh, signed on it. And it wasn't until the whole scenario from my left side of my face going paralyzed 
where I realized that that turn of events was actually me doing exactly what that quote was, where I completely went from dying to living. And since then have just been, you know, doing everything I can to constantly process and, 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 and keep going and, and try to live the best you can in every struggle we have is life. That's, is it trauma as it wants to sound, but as normal as life is because we all are going to die. That's a lot of stuff to be thrown at a young <laughs> yeah. individual. Yes. Kudos for you, you know, overcoming you. challenges because challenges in this life sometimes are difficult. And some people choose to stay in the negative side of that challenge and some people move to stay in the positive side of that challenge. And it sounds like yeah. you've done that. Can you tell me, not to reiterate anything or go back yeah. to part of your story, but you know, you, you said you'd lost your mother uh, to cancer. Was that a long journey? It was... Uh, you know, it was actually a pretty small journey. Um, I, I think I keep saying six months, but it was it was about three months, and it was actually a difficult time because for about eight years, I um, I lived on the other side of the mountain uh, in Washington State. Um, so I was away from mom and dad uh, for about eight years. Four of those years was when I met Brianna and stayed with her. It was tough because it was actually the day we moved back and it meant that I got to have family time again. We actually drove to a storage unit and uh, the night after we got back and uh, the same, that day was when I got a phone call from my dad that my mom had had a brain hemorrhage. And at that moment, she was completely non-existent ICU. Um, but she came back and that was when we found out that she had lung cancer. And so it was a decision I made. Um, I'm a traveling roadie, uh, so I travel with bands and such. But it was that moment that I decided that I was going to spend with her because we knew that it was a terminal illness and that, you know, lung cancer, once it's spread, um, it's just a matter of time. And so it was about a three month journey uh, that we, you know, just kind of rode out, if you will. It's a devastating disease. Cancer is just nasty. Yes. Right? I lost my father, my parents, my um, yeah. stepfather, uh, three cousins. Jeez, yeah. And my sister actually beat it twice. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's some positive that comes out of all that negative. For sure. Uh, my uncle actually died three months after uh, my mom from uh, the third round of brain cancer. So yeah, brain or cancer is definitely, it's a struggle. Did you get that opportunity to say what you wanted to say to your mom before? Yes and no. You know, it's it's one of those things that I think no matter what, you're never going to, it's never going to be enough. There's always going to be something. With my mom, uh, I'm, I'm a planner. And so when that happened, I turned everything off and went to uh, a aggressive mode as far as going through things. So I actually brought my brother over and my mom and they went through all the pictures. We somehow got family pictures. We did all these things, but in all the chaos... I forgot to get mom's recipes. So, you know, little things. I mean, to most, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, those things aren't the big things. But for me as a child, remembering my mom make, you know, my my spaghetti, the lasagna, the meatloaf, as small as it may be, just to have a handwritten note with those, you know, recipes, you know, it's tough. But at the same time, um, there was a lot that was accomplished. Um, and so... You know, again, it, yeah. Were you, tell me about your wife. Tell me uh, the good parts about. <laughs> everything. I mean, even the bad parts. And that, that that's what was beautiful about Brianna. And that was beautiful about my journey. So when I lost my mom, my mom was a race. It was this flag, cancer, bam. All right, we got to do what we can to survive. So things were, were, it was a shock. There was trauma. There was trying to catch up with the reality. But then there was Brianna. Brianna was born with cystic fibrosis at age three. She was told at um, that at age three, at 13, she was going to die. When she actually passed, she was 29 years old. Wow. So she threw that out. But at the same time, she used her CF in that challenge as an inspiration to live. So with most, they would hide it. They would get stressed. It would, it would you know, kind of hold them back. For Brianna she embraced it. She encouraged it. She, you know, just like we're doing here, she answered the questions. She allowed you to ask the questions. She didn't hide it. So yeah. Can you help us understand what cystic fibrosis is? 
Yeah. So cystic fibrosis is kind of without getting super scientific, um, it's it's removing the water and the salts from our body. And and the the gates that allow our body to naturally do that. Well, why is that important? Well, our sinuses, our lungs, salt water is a huge important thing to cleanse our body. Without that, it becomes a mucous membrane. It just becomes this con just this sticker or or this heavy mucus in all parts of your body. So with when you don't have that in your lungs or sinuses, you can't expel the bacteria. So when it stays inside those areas, they form. So then you get all kinds of mic- microbacterium that form, mold that forms and uh, in all in, in your lungs and your sinuses. And so um, with those microbacterium inside your body, that's a biohazard that just slowly starts to take over your body. And so as the direct causes you will see is in the lungs and sinuses, the lungs being because all of a sudden the person uh, deteriorates um, because of the oxygen. And as that happens, there's many other things that start to fall apart. But that's the bigger, uh, uh, more direct explanation. Is it something that can be overcome? Is there something that can be put into remission or or can it be cured? So at this moment, there is no cure. Uh, but in the last 10 years, um, so in 1980 was about when this thing was actually orig- uh, not originated, but when they finally were able to target the exact uh, cause. And since then, as of the last couple of years, they've, there's some pills that you can take that darn near turn it around and are able to stabilize. So if you're a child right now being diagnosed with CF, it's pretty darn lucky to be able to live a pretty great life as opposed to how Brianna was at three years old being told at 13, she most likely won't make it. So So when you met your wife, obviously she had the cystic fibrosis. She did. And you couldn't really tell because at that point she was at 85 lung capacity. So for us, for most of us, we're all at about 120. We have, there's a little bit of great, our body kind of adds that in, right? Um, As time goes on, it starts to slow down. Um, 85% lung capacity. What is that? That's taking a full breath of air, pushing out. How much air capacity are you actually expelling? And so that, that's, where she was at 85. So for a normal person without knowing, you couldn't tell. Um, you might be able to see the many pills she had to take for all the different, you know, uh, uh, pullbacks to try to help keep the maintenance going. But I actually didn't learn until six months into our relationship. And it, it was then that kind of awestruck me because of the ignorance of not even knowing that. And then to learn that. And after that, it was why change? You know, it was, you know, you, you, you love the heart, you know, not, not the outer, you know? And so that's, yeah. How'd you meet your wife? I was production manager for the Washington state future farmers of America. Uh, my job was helping, uh, put together the, uh, future farmer of America, Washington state convention every year. She was a state officer. Um, there's about six of them every year and they come together and we work as a team to kind of help. I help them, the technical side, bring it to life. They are kind of the originators and they bring their story. And that's actually one of the beautiful things is how I met her is as we're working through these things, one of those things was the retiring address. And in front of 3,500 people, she would give a, her last speech. It's about a 15-minute speech. And it wasn't until about six months in that we were working together that it was time to go through the RA. And I sit down with each officer and as they read their, you know, their script of the retiring address um, and that motivational message, um, they write, you know, they tell they I'm sitting there listening and kind of creating some thoughts to bring it to life, moods, colors and such. And um, in that speech is when I found out that she had cystic fibrosis. And that speech today even is one of the most beautiful speeches that I mean, when, when she passed during her celebration, um, that was what we played because it just, I mean, yeah, it was beautiful. That's very cool. Very cool. So how long into the relationship had you guys, when did you get married? So, um, in 2007 we met, um, and then wait, 
Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to remember back. Yeah, 2007, uh, we met. 2011 um, is when we got married. And uh, yeah, and she passed May 2017. Well, you know, every every moment you have with somebody you love is an important moment. So that's very, you know, that that's nice. You got that valuable time. Yeah. And you're going into it with the understanding about what, what the end result was going to be anyway. So that, that had to be uh, hard. I. I would say you're right with what you said. However, I would say that the understanding is never fully understood <laughs> until it happens. I actually remember uh, when I told my mom that I met Brianna and that she had cystic fibrosis and her heart spoke out, but it was even deeper than that love. And that was, you know, well, Nick, you know, are you sure you're ready for that? I'd never seen loss. I I had never experienced loss. She had. And so with my mom experiencing that, that was one of the first things she said. And so as a ignorant, I guess, or, um, uh, uh, blinded, yes. And I didn't know better, you know, and I didn't think it was going to be tomorrow that she was going to pass. And I figured it would be something that we would figure out then. And it's definitely not something I regret. That's for sure. Um, she gave me, uh, some of the most valuable lessons and memories of my life. And, um, you know, I, I, owe my life to her, not only in the the fact of love, but just in those lessons that she was able to teach the world in, you know, not taking life for granted. And that even though life is tough or we have to process something difficult, that we can get through it, especially, you know, if if you're able to not throw it under the bed and make it an elephant in the room, but if you constantly make a da- daily effort to, to keep it surface, to keep it out there and continually to work on it. Um, she always, when you had a bad day and you, you came to her, she always uh, was more important about building character. So she said, well, did it help you build character? <laughs> so, you know, and th- that was all, what it was all about is less of how does this, how does this hurt you? But what are you getting from it? How is it challenging you to be better? Um, and so that's, yeah, that was something beautiful about that. Sounds like a wonderful person. What's oh, your favorite memory? Ooh. Um, you know, it, it constantly goes back to just being together. Not anything specific. I mean, our honeymoon was beautiful. All those different things were beautiful. But as of today, I call it my safety. Like I, I, I'm constantly looking for my safety. But she was that comfort that no matter how difficult the walls may be, how much it was caving in, if we were together, it was just, everything was great. And that was just, you know, her ability to to process anything. And earlier you had said negative and turn it into a positive. And it's one of those things that I, I want to kind of touch on because, you know, we, we often get stuck into saying that positive is a smile. Which, by all means, a smile is great. But I think positive is more so being able to say and actually honor the reality of where we are. So if you're sad, to be able to say, I'm feeling sad today and understanding, why am I feeling sad today? How our feelings, are our actions outside, you can't really control, but we can control how we interact with that feeling, how we are around it. And I feel like in between my mom and Brianna, those were exactly two different things where my mom was trying to hide her cancer. She was trying to hide the fact she was passing where Brianna was like, yeah, I'm going to die. Yeah, I have CF. And it allowed her to overcome and be able to live as opposed to as the book. And that's why I labeled it, not to give it away, but that's why I labeled it loving someone who's dying because she wasn't. And at the end of the book, that's what I say is she was actually living. Yeah. That's a very proactive approach to understanding what was going to take place. And you both understood it, which is an opportunity to love, which is great because prior to her passing, at least in my opinion, prior to her passing, you were able to express a love with that understanding still. For sure. And these, these conversations of death and such are very difficult, but what you, you, you emphasize communication And that was a solid thing that it allowed us to do. Even though the topics were difficult to talk about death, it made the topics about when we 
disagreed when we challenged each other. It made those a lot easier. Did they make them perfect? Obviously not, but they helped us communicate. And so as going back to that character is it helped us build our character. It helped us understand. It helped us become more aware and allow us to surface the issues we had as a way to create solutions rather than suppress them and hide them for when something tragic, like with my mom comes up where, as you said, you know, one more, you know, it, it, sometimes you don't have that opportunity. So being able to do that, um, yeah. I think it's a lesson for everybody, actually. I think it's a yeah. lesson for people to understand because, you know, you have instantaneous loss, you have yep. shock loss, yep. and you have stuff, you have loss that takes time. Um, we didn't go through the same exact thing that you went through, but from we can, I can empathize with you from the perspective that we took care of my father-in-law who had dementia, and uh, we brought him into the home ourselves, and the dementia actually... I mean, it was fully understood after we had taken him in. There was an expectation. So during that expectation, this is, again, this is just sharing with, with everybody. In our experience with that, from, from this perspective, it, it gave us an opportunity to, knowing that the outcome was going to be what it was, it gave us the opportunity with that expectation to be able to say and do what we wanted prior to him passing. His daughter got to spend more time with him. His grandkids got to spend more time with him because they had that expectation. They got to say goodbye. They got to say what they wanted to say. Even though, again, e even with a disease such as cystic fibrosis or dementia, or because dementia kills, it, it, it yep. literally kills you, that yeah. you even with that expectation, you still don't have a 100% expectation. You can't say on, you know, January 1st, 2021, this is going to happen. It, you, you could go to bed and then wake up in the morning and it's done kind of a situation. Or you, you know, you get up in the morning and you bring them breakfast and you have a cup of coffee and, and, and you have another day. So people, people need to take the time, take the time. It's take the time, but also be aware. I like to call it to the hourglass. I use an hourglass as an example. A lot of us that don't have disease like to live blinded to the hourglass. Those that don't have a disease, we know what the bottom of that hourglass has filled up. We don't know what's above it. But all of a sudden, when you have a disease or something, you're able to see the sand up top. You're able to see that amount of sand start to disappear, which then all of a sudden change our mindset. So for those that don't have a disease or those that even do, if we were to able to see the top of that and use that as the inspiration, it might allow us to actually make what's at the bottom more meaningful at the end of our life. And and that was one of those things that Brianna somehow figured out early, which allowed her to make a legacy and things like that, that most of us don't think about because we don't think our time is up when it should be almost the other way around. What if we thought our time is up? We would do a lot of those things that, you know, it, it, it's kind of like working backwards almost, right. but it's really how we should do it. I think it's another lesson for people. Yeah. Um, because it's hard. I mean, your book, I'm going to use... The, you want to use your title. It's hard loving yeah. somebody who's dying because you, you still have the expectation, but you want every moment to be valuable, yeah. even the bad ones. Did you go through, I won't say the standard, what kind of grief did you go through at experience? Did you go through the standard five, you know, they have that five <laughs> things of grief, yeah. which I don't think really fits within within the realm of anything. Well, it's, it's um, I definitely see those stages. However, everybody's journey is separate. It's different. Those journeys exist and those pieces are always there. I like to call it a scab that never heals. So what I see it as is a scab that you constantly are having to put a new uh, uh, icing on. You're having to you know, put a new Band-Aid on it and constantly maintain it. Obviously, our past changes things. So like with me, I never lost somebody prior to my mom. So when I lost Brianna, losing my mom helped me with Brianna. I think even today, I still deal with grief. Matter of fact, uh, two days ago, I spent three days where I completely had to turn everything right. off um, because I was going through my downfalls. This whole entire journey is me processing my grief. And and you said it perfectly in, in the fact of uh, losing someone. You're not only losing that person, but you're losing systematic pieces of right. you. Uh, so for me, uh, I lost my mom. 
but I also lost a best friend. You know, I, I lost that nurturer, you know, or, or as I've been calling it, that safety net. Right. You know, the person that you had the most comfort in telling anything to when life challenges you. So all of a sudden, when that's removed, you all of a sudden have to figure out how to do that on your own. So those type of things you also lose. So there's the grief of that. Or even you could go even deeper to the systematic of family. You lose family and there's grief to that as well because of the structure that's now gone. You know, same thing with Brianna. You know, I I didn't only lose Brianna, the love of my life. I lost my best friend. I lost the other half. Mm-hmm. I lost the meaning of home. You know, I, I had my house and I remember a friend telling me, you're going to have to move. It was a beautiful five acres. It was a masterpiece we had created. It was home. It felt comfortable. It felt safe. But then when she passed, nothing changed but her absence and everything meant something completely different. And so there's grief in that as well. And that's what I'm dealing with even as we as we stand in that grief as well is that home. I don't that it's a new description for me. How to love somebody is different because that love comes from that same piece of your heart. And every single time you you uh, approach somebody new, you're having to open that up to them, right. that vulnerability. But then when they leave, if it doesn't work out, it's another ter- it's another pullback to that. And so, yeah, it's it's a constant battle. Every single day I wake up with it. And by no means do I ever deny it. Because, you know, my goal is to better understand it and and grow my relationship with it as opposed to learn how to grow further away from it. Because at the end of the day, I want to feel comfortable on my bad day. I don't want to feel, you know, uh, uh, on the extreme down. And so that's that's my goal is that on my bad day, I'm, I'm feeling okay. When that will be? Most likely when I die. <laughs> but yeah. Well, and you know, and, and realistically, everybody has their own time frame yeah. when this takes place. So no matter what stages of grief you do go through, it, it it's not, there's no stringent rule as in uh, this takes five days and on the fifth day, this is what's going to happen and you're just going to get over it and move on. I know, you know, way back when, even when I was a kid, like a small kid, I won't tell you how really old I am, but <laughs> you know, we're up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was a situation where somebody passed away and you went, oh, life goes on and you move forward and you just kind of like don't think about that anymore. Well, you know, as you grow up and you get older and you get people that come into your life that, that you lose, those, each time that happens, it becomes more and more important and you understand the meaning of it a little bit more. And you change those rules from way, way, way back. And I think that's important that people understand that you can grieve in your own time and you can take your time. And that doesn't mean that something goes away and you can still love somebody. You can still have feelings for them and you can still grieve for them just like you did. You move your life forward. You continue to move your life forward and you try to keep a positive aspect of it is what I think, you know, if you agree. I mean, no, for sure. I I wouldn't agree more. I mean, it's everybody deals with it different. Everybody, you know, uh, to be honest, I think the best way to explain this is in actually people trying to help. And when I say that, everybody who tries to help tries to share exactly how their mind constructs what they feel you're feeling when really it needs to be the other way around. The person who's feeling it needs to be able to share their constant battle or their current state. And the person who's trying to help needs to listen and acknowledge their existence. Because like you said, that pain is different for everybody. We could all sit here. I I use the oven as an example. If we all burn our hand, if you do it to a hundred different people, everybody's going to have a different pain tolerance because that pain tolerance is going to be from their past is going to be a whole different thing. What are the pain tolerances? There's the instant pain tolerance. There's the longevity of how long that pain's going to be. And then in addition, when that happens, a lot of the time the reaction people have are, oh, why did you do that? Or you're going to be okay. Those two things we know, but all we need to know is that we're, that, you know, how we feel right now is adequate. And, and that's like you said, you know, you are doing it right no matter how you do it. And it's the acceptance of those around you to be in those times with you. If you fall on your knees one day because it hurts, fall on your knees and let it hurt. 
that's what's important. Um, and so that's what I, you know, for instance, being a man and trying to cry, sometimes that's the most difficult thing, but there's times when I need to let that happen. And so I will go do that. Why? Because that's my emotion speaking to me. The other the other day, as I as I um, say that, you know, as I go through this process with the book and choose your attitude, um, you know, we're constantly looking at things and really looking deep. And that's one of the things that I kind of came to is like our feelings are not controllable. Your feeling, my feeling are all within. We don't have control of them. What we have control over is how you feel on top of them. So how you feel in the state of that feeling. If you're sad, you can't be happy at the same time you're sad, even though you're smiling. So the important thing is allowing you to be sad and understanding it and being able to feel confident inside that sadness. That's when you're actually smiling when you're sad is when you have that confidence. And I'll put a perfect example. So uh, Brianna passed May 2017. In June 2017, I got the tattoo on my right arm. Uh, a year ago, I got a tattoo on my left arm for my mom. It's been kind of a fun science project. Why? Because I found it really weird that when people would ask me, what are those tattoos? Well, I feel confident in where I stand. So with a smile, with happiness, this is my wife who passed away. This is my mom who passed That's away. Great. And I love them so very much. But to see their reaction is what actually disturbed me. Because with that smile, well, first off, with saying that somebody died, it puts them into an uncomfortable feeling depending on the person because they have a hard time discussing it. But then you've got a smile. So all of a sudden, this very difficult topic that makes me feel very uncomfortable is not matching the expression that you're sharing. So both of those are just really weird, which makes them sometimes run away or disappear. So what I found is if I didn't tell the truth and just kind of said it's a person, people were understanding. And so what am I saying by that? To be comfortable within it's not that you're happy that they're gone. It's that you're happy and you're confident within the pain and knowing the significance of where you stand um, is, is what I think is important. So, you know, of course, I wish I had, you know, the selfish purposes of I wish they were here. I wish, but I don't have that choice because life makes its own choices. What I do have control over is taking those aspects like choose your attitude, create your life that Brianna let me, the love she gave me, the feeling she gave me, use that and use that to encourage you. And so that's what I I build off of is every time I'm down like that of remembering how, how can I how can I live this way and and you know make it matter. That's profound. Very yeah, profound. Thank you. Very profound. I like that. And I think and, and I agree with you when you First time you bring up death with somebody that's standing in front of you, they don't know how to respond to it because they've been trained and they've been Bingo. indoctrinated into their life that, you know, death, death Culture. is something that you don't yep. talk about. Death is something you don't, you know, when it happens, it happens. It's part of life. But people have been trained, like you said, in, in society and in culture that death is kind of almost of a taboo type thing. We learn about everything we learn about everything. In school, you learn about sex. You learn about drugs. Some people don't have sex. Some people don't do drugs. Exactly. Everybody dies. Exactly. Everybody dies. That's about the only thing that everybody has in common. No if, ands, but about it. Everybody's going to die. And they don't teach you how to handle it. Handle it. Go through it. How to discuss it. I mean, for me, the baby step would be to acknowledge death. Right. And and why is that important? And I know some people probably listen to this or like, oh, this is kind of taboo. But here's why. For my mom, she didn't plan ahead. So when this trauma hits, because we don't know when it's going to hit. For me, one day I woke up not knowing it. Left side of my face is gone. For my mom, she was in the hospital ICU, and we got six, uh, three months of life out of her. But what if she got in a car accident and died? What if all these things happen? And as that happens, you're trying to go through trauma, but then at the same time, you're also dealing with the systematic situations of death, scheduling death, scheduling the um, uh, the funeral, 
all those different things. But if you talk about it and you build those plans, not only are you building a plan for when it happens, but you're also in that when I talked about working backwards, you're also helping yourself get to your success. Because when I, I had a talk on my podcast um, with John Sardella. Um, he wrote a book called uh, Journey Without a Map. Um, he's talking about his wife, that uh, a seven-year battle with cancer. And uh, we talked about legacy and we talked about this. And one of the things we, we, we talked about that was so strong is if we work backwards, you're able to create you're able to work, you have something to work towards. And and instead of every day wasting energy on hiding that pain, hiding those struggles, all of a sudden you're adding to your life, you're building to your life. And so that day, like with Brianna, she knew where she wanted to be. She knew what was going to go on. So we were able to sit there and have those days where we just looked in each other's eyes and thought about what song do we want played at our funeral? What do we want our gravestone to say? How do we want people to remember you? And fantastic. I can see your, your face lit up. I mean, obviously our listeners can't see that, but your face lit up, your yeah. eyes lit up. You, you can see life yeah. come into your into your eyes. It's but it's so true though. It, it's it's a tough topic. It's difficult. I haven't been able to really uh sit down and, and do that, and I need to. But these are so important as I watch, you know, those things is is you're able to um, have a goal to reach, have a goal to go towards, as opposed to aimlessly going towards anything. Um, you know, that that was one of the things why Brianna created the quote. When my mom passed, everybody remembers my mom. But they did when you don't have that physical structure, there's not a way to live by it, right? There's not a way to 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 pass it on and to be able to continue to live. Well, Brianna was smart in that, where she was like, I know I don't only want to live here, but I want to leave something. Leave something more than a memory that generations will be able to build. And now I've written a book, Choose Your um, Loving Someone Who's Dying. And then at the same time, Choose Your Attitude was formed around her legacy and that name. I mean, that's, I wish I could, you know, I, yeah, you're full I of, hope to you're find full that. You're full of but, exuberance. I can see, you know, you're just thank you. Yeah. You're excited about it. You're excited about the book. You're excited about the legacy. Yeah. Which is great. And that's the way you should feel. That's the way you should feel because because just because we've lost somebody doesn't mean that we can't continue loving them. Agreed. Agreed. You you just said it there. That love. You build off the love. And uh yeah, it's it's selfish and difficult. Don't get us wrong. When we say that, we're using our our strong, our strength. But don't get me wrong. Like I said a couple days ago, I was I was on my knees looking for that strength. But at the same time, if you don't look at it day by day, and you do look at it week by week, or you look at it month by month, all of a sudden it's two months of strength, one month of weakness, three months of strength, one month of weakness. And you just keep moving and celebrate every victory. As long as you keep moving forward, you're going to get it. And that's that's what's important. Yeah. That's an outstanding piece of advice for everybody. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about your book. I know you started to in the beginning and you said that, you know, well, how you get it written and stuff. But what's the purpose of the book? You know, it, it's funny you say that because as I construct and build Choose Your Attitude, that's one of the first questions they ask. What's the purpose of Choose Your Attitude? Well, um, back in August, I just wanted to write a story. One of the, my biggest challenges is, is nobody wants to hear my story. Nobody wants to really hear Brianna's story. So after I finally got past that and I started to write the story, all of a sudden I felt this relief. I felt this uh, strength because it was a part of me processing. In addition to that, what was even more encouraging is to all of a sudden see people watching, uh, to, to get reaction as they listened, as they heard the story. Why? Well, because they're going through the same thing. And what were they looking for? They wanted to feel accepted. They wanted to feel adequate. They wanted to feel acknowledged. They wanted to feel that, oh, you have pain like we are okay. We are normal, right? And that's 
that's what it's turning into. And that's what I'm trying to create by it. Again, first off, it was writing a book. Now, as I sit here, it's a piece to help people hear that other people are going through your pain too, that we all are living, that we all go through this. And more so, less of the, you're going to be okay, and less of the, tomorrow will come, but more of the, oh, this is how I can process this. This is how I can get through this. Here's another story in another way that I can keep stepping forward. And so that's that's what it is for me now. Yes, it's a story and it's a memoir of you know how our life was together, but getting out of it, it's more of another journey and another confidence booster that you're not alone and that there is a way. And and you know, it it a perfect example is writing the book. I didn't think I could write. I never was able to write. I felt like I couldn't do it. I kept procrastinating. A quote came by, if not now, then when? Well, that's a perfect scenario. You, you it, it's now. So I hired a coach, and all the coach was for was to remind me of my own strength. Not to give me strength, not to actually allow me to do it but to remind me that I can. So it came to a point where I actually outgrew him because it wasn't it wasn't somebody else doing the work. It wasn't somebody else showing. It was just another, hey, you got this. Hey, you got this. So if that's anything, it's, you know, that sometimes you, you, you've got it. And sometimes we look for outer strength, which is important and that's acceptable. But you are your biggest weakness but you're also your biggest strength. And so that's that's what's important here um, is that, you know, you have the ability, but it, it's, you know, it is finding that mental mindset and figuring out how your mind works to be able to, to get through these times. That's amazing, actually. That's very inspiring. I think that um, we're going to have to talk about how to get that book. Tell me a little bit more yeah. about the podcast. I know that um, you mentioned it earlier and we know where the inspiration come from, but tell me about the podcast. The podcast, Choose Your Attitude, originated obviously from um, you know this this beautiful name. It's, it's having these type of tough discussions, but also some ho- soft-hearted ones. We, we started in a pair line, Choose Your Attitude, uh, wearing shirts, kind of like the one I have on. And the whole idea is kind of the soft welcome. And the whole brand is around, let's have fun living. But everything inside this brand in that fun, happy, uh, you know, go lucky atmosphere, we're also talking about the hard stuff, right? And so that's what the podcast is about, is talking about life, but all kinds of sorts of life. I, I talked to, we were talking about it right before this podcast, but I, I've got a podcast coming up of a friend I went to high school with, with a 10-year opioid uh, drug battle, um, alcohol, and how she's turned that into a beautiful uh, uh, story and how she's now three years sober and living on top of the world. And and all the way to uh, me being a roadie and traveling, um, uh, Dino Brown, the violinist of the Tim McGraw, I had him on and we were talking about uh, you know his struggle in trying to become a musician and reaching his goals. Far vast different sides of the spectrum, but so much the same. They deal with the exact fear. They all deal with fear. And once you're able to deal with death, you're able to conquer fear. And so that's kind of where Choose Your Attitude comes from, is trying to talk about all these different things um, from people that are very close um, with, with stories like ours to, to celebrities um, to, to share that, um, you know, those that sometimes we don't know have a bigger story than what they're showing. And at the same time, that just because they, you know, in front of the camera show a smile, that they're still human and they still live like we do. And that, you know, that there's those constructs. Um, one of the, the those examples in, in the next series of my podcast, uh, we have Erin Gruel. Uh, she's the teacher uh, and, and the subject of uh, the movie Freedom Riders. So Freedom Riders is an organization. She was a teacher in a, a suburb in California. She was a white teacher uh, teaching a, a gang-related area in the very, very uh, poverty-stricken area. And she had both sides against her from the kids that didn't want to learn because they 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 grew up in such a, a poverty stricken area where they they just deemed them to fail, and then the teachers and and 
you know, those around of privilege suppressing on her to not give them a chance and vice versa. Well, she turned that and gave them a chance. And it, it, it it's amazing story. Well, why am I sharing it? Well, another thing. So in 2007, I think it was, we were on a flight together. I had no idea who she was. And she was sharing her story about this premiere. And at first it was like, oh, no big deal. Well, it wasn't until after th- that I saw the movie and you see this whole thing happen. And so what does that mean? It's it's showing that it, it's, it, it's kind of like the same lesson of loving someone who's dying. Don't judge a book by its cover. That no matter your past, no matter who this person is, it's about the now. It's how they react. So from Aaron Gruel or even Brianna on this beautiful story to Ashley, this friend who took this drug battle and turned it around into this beautiful thing that we all have struggle. We all have issues. It's not about what you did. It's about why you did it and how you got out of it. And not to lead into another inspirational thing, but that's another thing that um, we've been, I've been focusing on too with uh, these riots and such. It's not about the what, it's about the why. So what is the what? The what would be something, the, the actual thing that happens, the, the now. So uh, to, to kind of make it short, for instance, a lie. If somebody was to lie to you, sometimes we get very focused on the frustration of the lie itself. When really, after all the smoke is cleared, we, we didn't get anywhere. When really, if we focus on the why, all of a sudden, when the what happens, it's either less or it's, we're able to get through it. And that's what happened again with this death in Brianna, is she focused on the why as opposed to the what where everybody would focus on the cancer or the cystic fibrosis or I'm going to die, where if you focus on the why, why am I living? Why is this happening? Because I mean something. Because I... So that's where it's like, it's it's powerful. No, and sorry to go on these a, tangents, but like they, they keep yeah, reminding me of... Yeah. This is a conversation. Like, and I'm loving the conversation. You know, these are topics that people <laughs> don't want to talk about. And I love it. People need to hear. So the, what you said was very, yes. again, yes. Very, again, very profound. So it, it uh, yeah, I think that everything that you just said, I can see your excitement in your voice when you talk about this. And well, I can't see it in your voice. I can hear it in your voice. I see you. <laughs> yeah. They can't no. see you. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> for sure. It's that smile you see and that that excitement is um, every step forward. You know that that excitement of better understanding. Uh, you know, understanding how violent of depression I was in after she passed, and seeing now how I've turned it into something that hope and like yes. Yes, there is success outside. There is, it is there. And so that's where, that's where that comes from. And that's where, you know, again, the explanation of my tattoos and such comes from when I'm say it with a smile is because it's possible. You know, one thing that, that came to mind that I, I want to share as well, I, and, and being on the road and with COVID and everything, uh, we've had some webinars uh, for the roadies and such that we don't have work, so depression's a big deal. And they constantly kept talking about where you can find help. Everybody says you can go find help. And sometimes people, when when you see someone struggling, you try to send them away. Well, I like to turn that around. And I like to say, well, no, not always is the person who needs help the one who needs to seek it. Rather, it's the other way around. Where if you feel you're in a spot, you're comfortable to listen to somebody and getting that uncomfortable with them, give them a hug, remind them that they are alive. Maybe not that they are okay because it's sometimes difficult or that you're going to make it. It's better sometimes just to say, I got you. I'm feeling it with you. I'm here with you. I'm alive with you. You're alive. You're doing this. You are within like that's that's what I feel is 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 very important for people on the outside. There's been many times in my grief where I try to reach out to try to feel accepted, to try to feel normal. And, you know, I don't know how many times I've gotten, oh, well, you need to go see a therapist or, you know, I, I can't go talk to people like you. And it's like you are like me. And, and you are normal. And that's why I'm trying to talk to you. And so that's, you know 
for those who maybe haven't lost somebody or trying to help somebody in the grief, that's something I would share with them is that feel that unawkwardness, feel that weirdness, you know, uh, when you're, when your stomach curdles because it's awkward that somebody's talking about death, feel it, experience it, learn because you know, that's, that just makes, as Brianna always said, it builds character. And so that's at the end of the day, that's our goal is, is that we've done our part until the day we die and we don't know what day we died. So every day better be working. (laughs) So that's excellent. That's part of it. Words of wisdom. I was going to ask you, we have any last words of wisdom, but that covers it. (laughs) Um, How can somebody listen to your podcast or get your book? Yes. Everything is on our website. So chooseyourattitude.com is our website. Once again, it's chooseyourattitude.com. Our socials are choose attitude, create life. So that's choose attitude, create life for both Facebook and Instagram. Um, And uh, yeah, come on over and the podcast is there. The apparel is there. Uh, the book is there, um, and we've got so many things planned coming forward, and it's uh, very exciting to see. You know, we call it a community because it is, and this growth. Although this is kind of center, I'm not the only one growing. We are growing, and that's my goal. Is that you know, it's a, it's a group growth because we're constantly growing, and my hope is is that in time, it becomes this community that everybody is taking their weakness and making it into strength. Because, you know, I, I was actually joking with a friend, Monsters, Inc. It's the exact same thing, you know, taking taking the sadness, turning it into a smile and making people smile from, you know, their, their life struggles. So, um, yeah. It's been a fantastic conversation, Nick. I really appreciate the fact that you shared this, your journey with us and you shared it with me. And I really appreciate that you were open and honest and, uh, You have given some fantastic advice, and uh, I look forward to another conversation. Likewise. Thank you, sir. It's It's been an honor. Thanks for listening to this episode. We really appreciate you. Just as a reminder, Nick's mission is to use that little spark of hope to inspire others so that we may choose our attitude, move forward, and create a beautiful life. Nick would love to hear from you. Have a question, an idea, a topic to cover, or to be a guest on his show, please email him at podcast PR at chooseyourattitude.com. You will also find his website, chooseyourattitude.com, on my website and in the show notes. My website is www.beforeyougopodcast.com, www.beforeyougopodcast.com. Again, they will all be in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.